Hello everyone and welcome to our very first episode of Kidbrook's Insights podcast, covering the most prominent trends and the latest technological advancements in the rapidly transforming wealth management industry. I'm Zulia Gindulina and I'm joined by Natalie Burke and today we're going to see what challenges and opportunities await the wealth tech space in 2022. So Natalie, looking to the year ahead, what challenges do you expect the industry may face? First of all, hello everyone. Um, so I think we'll start to see uh, some more consolidation among vendors. The wealth tech industry has gradually matured and for some time we've seen a more clearly defined value chain. Therefore, I think it's likely that some larger players may attempt to become uh, a one-stop shop for all things you may de- need when building wealth capabilities for your institution. They may achieve this both through mergers and through partnerships. Yes, and I would just add that I think that many of the wealth platform providers will probably struggle to add unique selling points over and above a more generic we help you digitalize journey. Um, we already hear potential customers talk about how they can differentiate their offering um, if they are on one of these platforms. Exactly, that's a good one. And I believe one way to differentiate yourself would be to ensure that the analytics driving your offering could grant you the freedom to create consistent, flexible services that you can build up over time, like in the case of Kidbrook's Outrank solution. Absolutely. Having a long-term vision about your innovation strategy is very important. Meanwhile, wealth tech sector had an incredible 2021 with over 20 billion invested into the companies globally. Do you think that this investment surge would continue this year or will it start to consolidate? Well, at the moment, the investors seem to be drawn towards everything decentralized finance, NFT and metaverse related. Um, in many cases, to keep the hype going in order to protect earlier distributed ledger-related investments, for example, blockchain. I agree. We see that more mundane stuff, which uh, now starts to actually work, for instance, the digital financial planning and advice tools, are scrutinized much more by the VCs in terms of traction required before this kind of investments can be done. Yeah, it's true. So do you believe that there's nothing to look forward to in the decentralized finance and NFT space for wealth managers? Well, just like in online gaming, spending time in a digital realm uh, creates demand for its attributes. So be it the works of art like designer clothes for your digital avatars or other features. As the metaverse expands and becomes available for more people, uh, the value of digital assets would really likely increase. And although we are mindful that such a massive shift is unlikely to happen overnight, wealth managers would benefit from keeping an open mind, uh, learning more about digital assets and being prepared for informed conversations with their customers. Yes, totally. So digitalization has been a major trend for the past couple of years. 
Is this going to be the same for 2022 or is simply digitising not enough for companies and will they need to do more, such as deeper personalization? Well, I believe that wealth managers would definitely have to do more. There is a lot of basic stuff already in place, like digital communication with clients, chatbots, and uh, etc. But a lot still remains. Uh, for instance, moving from uh, open banking to open finance, um, and actually making open banking work properly, because in many markets, it's still quite underdeveloped. Moreover, there is still an issue of uh, resolving secure digital IDs uh, in markets such as the UK, which um, still lacks a national ID system. Yeah, and last but not least, implementing digital capabilities to truly enhance and increase supply of financial guidance and advice. This has to be done with care, though, to avoid creating these islands of functionality, which do not really... um, build towards holistic capabilities which will be will be standard in the next few years. Indeed, we have seen a lot of financial institutions facing legacy infrastructure issues and inadvertently getting the same, the, themselves further into the legacy traps with that approach. But let's make it a little bit clearer for our listeners, Natalie. Would you tell us a little bit more about these islands of functionality? Of course, I'll try. So we see it time and time again. I believe the most common mechanism of falling into the legacy trap is closely connected with a classic approach to innovation. So it would typically entail starting with a small use case, testing it, and if successful, rolling it out into production. Therefore, when a bank, an insurance company, or a wealth manager build a new customer journey, They typically build an isolated functionality based on a specific use case. We call these isolated pieces of functionality uh, or customer journey islands. So at this point, the plan is to build and market a simple yet innovative service and let it grow and develop within the product line of the institution. So far, it sounds good and quite rational. Uh, What could go wrong? Well... Fast forward one year and the institution's innovation team comes across a new functionality that they believe would tap into the demand for their customers. So they build yet another customer journey island and there are a few issues that may arise at this point. So first, every additional isolated journey would add very limited value to the customer unless it considers the context of the previous relationship between a customer and the organisation. An individual could have been using the institution's services for years, but unless these financial journeys are connected, you miss out valuable information which could help um, recommend your client to the most suitable product or action. And second, if your strategy involves adding more use cases to the existing isolated journeys, you may need to be prepared for integration issues. It may be so tough to tie the customer journey islands together if they weren't designed to work together from the beginning that some organizations would prefer to build the journeys from scratch or even abandon the project altogether. Well that's counterintuitive because starting small and gradually taking the steps to build out the the service of your dreams almost implies creating these islands. The truth is uh, starting small doesn't really 
um, imply uh, creating isolated functionalities. Starting small is good when all the changes that you pursue come with a long-term vision. Therefore, technology that you use for your first steps should be able to withstand the scrutiny of real-life conditions and be flexible enough to be continuously reviewed and updated with additional features way into the future. Exactly. And one way to pursue this strategy is to rely on use case agnostic components of the future digital experiences, such as financial analytics, and then integrate those across your customer journeys. Furthermore, you should consider an API-only approach, which we've heard loads about recently for vendor solutions, which helps immensely if you strive to achieve a holistic approach to the end customer's relationship with your institution. So, listeners, avoid building the customer journey islands this year. Devote extra attention to selecting your technology. <laughs> and moving on from architectural decisions, though, but or perhaps not, what do you think we will be seeing regarding personalization of the wealth services? There's a lot of talk about automation taking away the individual one-on-one -on -one approach to a customer. Do you think that's true? No, I actually don't think so. Uh, I guess it's very close to this debate about whether wealth management services should be delivered through physical or digital channels. What we see is that the consensus opinion in the industry gra gravitates towards different customer categories, preferring different combinations of physical and digital services. And both approaches of doing business would benefit from uh, automating some of the processes. So in the context of uh, private banking, um, automation of analytical processes could empower the financial advisors to provide more visual, pedagogical experiences to their customers, uh, walking them through how their personal wealth would develop in years to come and performing complex what-if analysis um, on the events that concern them in a matter of seconds. In the retail space, advanced uh, financial analytics uh, applications could tailor the next best actions to the economic and risk profiles of given customers, uh, creating a high quality and uh, very personalized experience. Okay, so essentially you believe that the automa automation would rather contribute to wealth services becoming more personalized then? Absolutely. So how would this tie into democratization of wealth? You might remember it was one of the hottest topics of the Global Wealth Tech Summit last November. Do you believe we will see more incumbent players providing their services to the mass affluent category in 2022? Um, the evolution of digital distribution channels, uh, open banking and analytical capabilities have dramatically decreased the costs of providing high-quality wealth management services, uh, allowing firms to cater to previously underserved customer segments. As the adoption rates increase uh, throughout the industry, uh, this market share is quickly divided between the players who have enough flexibility to innovate, but oftentimes also a larger retail customer base. Therefore, at this point, digitalization and democratization uh, of wealth management have become one of the core strategies to remain relevant in the new era. So, but I would actually argue that 
these overarching trends are not that well represented um, within the VC community. Um, so uh, I'm actually particularly not confident about uh, emergent B2C offerings in the wealth space. Yeah, I know. I think most B2C ventures will fail in the end since acquisition costs for financial retail customers will be very high once you get outside of the early adopters. And then to make matters worse, most B2C services don't really provide any core value over and above what the incumbent financial institutions do. So in light of this, I think B2B offerings should get more attention. But then again, the VC space is rarely, if ever, rational in this respect. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, Natalie, if you were to summarize, what should wealth managers be doing in 2022 to ensure that they continue to take market share? Well, first, I think they should proactively think of what differentiates their digital offering, both in terms of the user experience and underlying value they provide. I think striving to provide a holistic omnichannel experience would be a good path to take. And then secondly, as we discussed previously, they should adopt a long-term vision about developing their product and ensure that the underlying technology is there to facilitate an easy build-out of their offering. And in that respect, you are better off if the technology is use-case agnostic. I would just add that with an accelerated rate of digitalization, it would be attractive for the incumbents to tap into the mass affluent customer category. Uh, the digital channels unlock lots of opportunities regarding underserved customer segments. Yeah. So do you think there is any technology that would help the firms achieve that in 2022? Uh, well, the, the predictive forecasting would be on top of my list. Um, that would be the capability of driving financial simulations that are not only realistic regarding market risk and provide detailed cash flows, tax and fees modeling, but also fast enough to drive interactive customer and advisor experiences. Exactly. I think it also pays off to think about how you approach innovation and whether you think strategically about the infrastructure that, you're, that you create by embedding the solutions into your financial institution's tech stack. Indeed. Uh, and do your best to avoid customer journey islands. Um, and before we end for today, could you share, Natalie, how optimistic you are about 2022 for WealthTech? It's very exciting and I'm very optimistic as we see the demand for wealth tech growing in all our markets at a high pace. As mentioned before, as the wealth tech sector matures, many practical hype-free solutions already help banks, insurers and wealth managers to run key processes in their wealth businesses. And in terms of Gartner's hype cycle framework, we could say that we are past the peak of expectations and through the disillusionment and are now on the slope of enlightenment. That's a very positive way to conclude. Thank you, Natalie. So uh, that was it for today. And thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed our podcast and will join us next time in several weeks. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and social media channels to stay updated. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are joining from. Bye bye. Bye, everyone.